and welcome into Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KOR Kutztown. Jack, I'm Mitchell Smedley, as always, rocking with you on this Monday evening here in late October. So much to talk about, as always, college football week eight recap, MOB playoffs, NFL, and so much more. Just want to thank you all for tuning in. Mitch, how was your weekend, buddy? How we doing? My weekend was outstanding. I spent it in the beautiful Orlando, Florida, poolside, in the Disney parks. I had a great, great weekend, Jack, seeing some family down there, my brother. And uh, watching some Phillies baseball with the fam. And uh, we watched Penn State, too. We'll get to that. Not as fun. But you talk about a, talk about rocking with you on a, on a Monday evening. I mean, we got all kinds of folks in the studio. President Linda, how we doing? Howdy. Good to see you. Josh, you still back there? I'm still back here. All right. Oh, could, he's got uh, barbecue back there. Might want to talk into the, uh, the mic. Hurt <laughs> my feelings. I'm still back here. Nice. Good to see you. We, of course, we got Jess in the building. Jess? Hey. Yo. All right. You're going to sit back there? Nice. I vibe with it. All right, cool. We got a great, great, great line of people. Uh, most of them will be heading out, hopefully, uh, very oh, shortly. Yeah. I'm kidding, yep. <laughs> kidding. No, 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 hopefully. And we also have right. uh, we also no, have the I'm Phillies kidding. getting underway right about now. A chance to go to where, folks? The World Series. That's right. I love having more Phillies kinda, fans kinda in the house. Cringe. What? That was kind of cringe. You're kind of cringe. cringe. I don't care. <laughs> to where, folks? I don't care. The World <laughs> Series! <laughs> that sounds like sweeper material to me. <laughs> yes, oh my goodness, yes. So, <laughs> sweeper especially material. Especially if we lose. <laughs> right? So, anyways, I before we get to the actual part of the show, Jack, one thing to address the listeners on. I did say that if we win the World Series, I will show up to the KUR meetings, or the next KUR meeting, in a full-on suit. No, so. I kind of like the meetings. I like the plural. No, the no, we're not doing that. We're not making that a tradition. I have a class before that. Like, it would not be a good situation. Yeah. Um, anyways, best moving right goes to Smedley. <laughs> so you know, we we kind of have a lot at stake here. I did say that if uh, if we won and went to the World Series tonight, I would go in in a uh, button down shirt and a tie tomorrow. And then it kind of kind of turned into the whole e board deciding to go formal. So we'll see what happens, Jack. You might have to dress up for the Phillies, which would be a hilarious <laughs> twist of fate. I would spin it for my own own right gain. Yeah, you're you're trying to address the ladies, you know. <laughs> hey. Jack looking super fly. But this so, is Heavy Hitters. Jack High, Mitchell Smedley, some other friends, and you. And that number, if you want to get your opinions in here, 610-683-4058. would love to hear from you. Had some great calls. We heard from uh, now 96-year-old Ruben last week. Ruben told me to calm down and that, uh, that they were right, and they were right. But they did say Phillies in four, so Ruben's a bit mistaken there. Hopefully a Phillies in six, though. Jack, where are we going first? MLB? We could. We could. Or. I think I, I kind of want to get college football off the dock Ooh, at first. Okay. A lot to talk about there. A lot of great games over the weekend. So let's not waste any time. Let's go right to the shoe. Columbus, Ohio. Penn really? State. Really? Ohio State. Mitch, it's, it is. It's painful. So worthy of talking uh. about. By the way, I, I'm not adamantly happy that Penn State lost. I'm indifferent. I don't really care. Uh, I'm not a Penn State fan. So it doesn't matter to me. But what we are here to do is break down the game. Honestly, and uh, to the best of our abilities, that's the product we're trying to provide you. So, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Penn State first. Offensively, oh man. Didn't show up. Didn't get off the bus. <laughs> it was it was tough thanks for, thanks for playing. You did nothing. It was tough sledding. Uh, garbage time touchdown was the only semblance of productivity they showed all day. Two field goals. Both in the first half. Both in the first half. It was ugly. But I tell you what. These are two of the best defenses in the nation. Uh, I don't think there's any way of twisting that uh, to be a false statement. That is very, very much true. For Penn State, though, 
man, this is just a missed opportunity. You kept Ohio State to 20 points, only put up 12 of your own, just a tough showing. And, and all the blame is going to go back to James Franklin. And look, the track record isn't great for him. Sure, I mean, that, that, is, that is a valid point. 3-16 and 16 against AP top 10 teams in his coaching career at Penn State. That's not a good record. No, no matter what way you look at it, three wins to 16 losses, always very bad. But everyone, you know, calling for Franklin to be fired, I think that's wrong. And I think, you know, saying he's overrated is also not an, not an, accurate, not an accurate statement, pardon me. When you're, Penn State is always looking up. They're looking up at Michigan. They're looking up at Ohio State. And that's where you start to compare Franklin to. You start to compare him to Urban Meyer when he was there. You start to compare him to Ryan Day, to, to Jim Harbaugh. And that's not exactly fair to Franklin because he's not the caliber of coaches that those guys are. It's proven when you lose to a team and a program and coaches so often, you're not on the level of them. And They're now that's effectively not, the little brother of the uh, of the Big Ten East. Yes, and that's not saying that James Franklin isn't a good coach. He's just not a great coach. He's great for recruiting. Um, he's great for if you want to win a lot of games, but if you want to win the big game, if you really want to be that top echelon program that, that goes to the college football playoffs, that goes and wins national titles, James Franklin is not your guy. This team looked absolutely undisciplined. The turning point of the game uh, was where Penn State seemingly had a fumble return for a touchdown, a sack fumble that they turned into six points. It was negated by a holding penalty, which was the first of three straight snaps with a Penn State penalty on defense, culminating in uh, giving Ohio State a uh, first and goal from the one. They ran it in for the touchdown. It went from being 10-3 Penn State. It was then 10-3 Ohio State. And really, the, the tide never turned from that point on. It was a it was a knotted-up game before that, though. Yeah, it was. Look. Undisciplined. It, I don't think the gap between these teams is that big. No, absolutely. It, it's not. It, it's, it's a 20-12 to game. Penn State is right there. If a couple things break differently, maybe a couple players were flipped around. Maybe what if you know what if Marvin Harrison was in the uh, blue and white instead right. of, of Penn Ohio State doesn't State. have a Marvin Harrison. That's exactly. a big, big difference because their top receiver Lambert Smith. I mean, they don't really have any um, awe-inspiring receivers after that. And Ohio State had a guy that on third downs uh, in the red zone that they could go to and was always open. Judging by the amount of times I had to hear Gus Johnson say Maserati Marv. Yeah, that common complaint among amongst Penn State fans. It was annoying. Right, so, yeah, look, I if I was in your shoes and hearing Gus Johnson say that the entire game about a guy that is torching your defense, that would get under my skin too. It's fine if it's like after like a touchdown or like a really catch. big catch. He caught it for like five yards and there he is, Maserati Marv. I'm like, okay, enough. Yeah. Enough. I get it. It gets to be And I, I'm a huge Gus Johnson fan. You know that, Jack. Yes. Love him. It got annoying. No, absolutely, I get that. But I want I want to turn back and look at these two programs and where they stand right now. Ohio State, this is a completely revitalized program. I'm going to flip and talk about Ohio State for a little bit more before I round it out about Penn State because you have to talk about the Buckeyes in this game. They are the winner. They're rightfully deserving of being talked about. But Ohio State defensively, so elite. We knew that coming into this game. They showed it. Penn State, one of 16 on third downs. They had nothing. None. All day, they could not convert at all on third down. That is what good defenses are made of. They can get off the field routinely, and they did that this time around against Penn State. Jim Knowles, what he's done in his two years at Ohio State as their defensive coordinator has been a coaching masterclass. I want you to think about Ohio State and what they were as a program two years ago. Could you think that they were capable of winning games defensively? The answer is no. They, they were not able to do that. 2021 and even last year, first one, they, they took 
massive strides of improvement, but they weren't able to win games defensively, weren't able to win games physically by controlling the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. They got bullied by Michigan the last two times they've played the Wolverines. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case this year. Jim Knowles has really done a great job of building this defense up, coaching it the way he's wanted to coach, and really getting the most out of every single one of these guys. And, of course, Ohio State's a big program. They're going to draw a lot of the major talent that's out there. But it also is a a tribute to great coaching. Knowles was an incredible defensive coordinator in his time at Oklahoma State, which is a reason why many of those Mike Gundy teams were as good as they were because of their stout defense. The Cowboys were incredible in the Big 12. Mike Gundy, one of the best long, you know, long-time standing coaches in the Big 12. He's been at Oklahoma State, what feels like, for an eternity, and Knowles was a big part of the defensive success they had there. Now he's showing exactly why he's such a highly praised coordinator doing what he's done in his two years at Ohio State. So impressive. They don't get physically beat up anymore. You know, that was one of the keys, I think, for Penn State going into that game to win the physical battle and kind of do what Michigan's done to them the last two years. It showed early on Penn State wasn't going to be able to do that. This is a differently constructed and a differently, you know, psychological-wise, this is a different Ohio State team than years past. Correct. I I totally agree. Um, On the flip side, for Penn State, a lot more of the same. Great record, great season uh, comes to an end when they try and play Ohio State. Or, uh, or Michigan, um, really just unfortunate. Like you, you talked about a little bit there, missed opportunities, uh, really the the um, highlight of this game. I'll, I'll take you back to a moment that I don't think is being talked about enough from this, is uh, Ohio State was punting from their own end zone after the Penn State defense was stellar. Uh, this is on the second drive of the second half, and Ohio State punted. Penn State had a not their typical punt returner in because he had a good game uh, last week. He... Couldn't find the ball. It was windy, right? Couldn't find the ball. It bounced at the 50 and went inside the 35, uh, where they could have had it around the Ohio State 40. Um, They instead had it inside their own 35. Totally changed field position. This was when it was still 10-6, very much anybody's game. And uh, from there, Ohio State put a couple uh, more scores on the board, a field goal, um, another touchdown, and put that game away in just a couple drives after that. So... Just a few momentum swings. Penn State not able to muster any offense. Played great defense throughout the day. Um, but like you said, Jack, a lot of missed opportunity. And this is just a good old physical slugfest, right? Yep. Two good teams. Smashed mouth. Exactly. Uh, you know, hobnocking football. Two really teams great. stifled in the run game. Had to get everything through the air. And Ohio State just did it more effectively and consistently than Penn State did. That, that was the difference. I can talk about coaching all I want with Knowles, too. Real quick, though, Ryan Day... The ability to evolve as a coach, it is so crucial, especially in this day and age of college football. It's crucial in every time of every sport. You need to be able to evolve, change as the game is changing. But he recognized that his team's defense wasn't up to snuff with the leader, you know, the, the top of the top teams, the teams who are going to be winning national championships. He realized that his defense wasn't to that caliber, made a great coordinator hire. Back to Jim Knowles just to tie that bow real quick. Yep. But sorry. Yeah, that's what great derailed you from that. No, you're good. That's what great coaches do. They realize, you know, any good coach can stumble upon a good hire. It just happens. But great coaches realize that, hey, this is an area where if we want to get where we want to go, we got to dress it and get the best of the best here. They weren't going to tolerate mediocre defensive play anymore. And they got one of the best in the business. Something that a school out in California refuses to do. We'll Hmm. talk about them coming up. (laughs) But um, before we do that, a little bit behind the notebook message, but we'll give it to you now. From the KUR Notebook, attention KU community. Want KUR at your event? No problem. Go to www.kutztown.edu slash KUR, find live events slash remotes, read the reminders, 
and fill out the form. Our promotional director or an eboard member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event. No exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. And it looks like we are going to be getting our first caller of the day. So we are. Let's John from Schnecksville. How you doing? Oh, are you kidding? Good. How are you guys doing today? Well, I'm good. I'll be better if Nola can get this third out in the first inning. Yeah, we're hanging in there, John. <laughs> good, good. Glad to hear it. So, listen, you know, honestly, you can really narrow down the difference between Penn State and Ohio State in pretty much one way. Mitch, you said that Franklin's a great recruiter. Mm, I would say he's a good recruiter. And I, I would hedge from saying great because if you look at the difference between these two teams, both teams very stout defensively, both teams have very good running games. Ohio State has one thing that Penn State very long time, and his name is Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. Not that Marvin Harrison Jr. in general, but a elite NFL-quality receiver that Penn State has not had in a very long time. Someone that can go out and dominate the game. It's a very think good point. about this for one second. The only thing they had to worry about was Marvin Harrison Jr. because the other receivers were hurt or not available, and they couldn't stop him. He went off 150 yards in a touchdown. Conversely, if you look at what Notre Dame did to him, Morrison was able to play Harrison one-on-one and shut him down. So at the end of the day, the thing that, to me, that makes the difference is you could, you could pick on Drew Lahr. He did miss some open passes. Okay, I get it. He's a sophomore, his first really big game. But at the end of the day, they lack that big, big, big receiver that Drew Lahr could count on. Penn State does not have that. Ohio State does. That, to me, was a difference in the ballgame. So guys, have a great show. Go Steelers. Go Giants. Go Diamondbacks. You guys have a great show. Have a lot of fun. Take care. Bye. Thank you, John. Well, the Diamondbacks just had uh, three strikeouts in the top of the first inning, courtesy of Aaron Nola. So um, I'm rooting for the uh, the opposite team there. What you said about the Penn State wide receiver, though, is absolutely right. I mean, who's the biggest receiver they've had there recently? K.J. Hamler? <laughs> I mean, yeah. not good. Uh, was They're Curtis not a wide Samuel receiver Penn State? No, Curtis Samuel no. was uh, who am I thinking Ohio, of? Ohio State, I uh, think. Yeah. Uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, John Dotson. John Dotson. Yeah, I knew it was a Washington receiver. Sorry, I just slipped my mind. John Dotson. Yeah, not very good. Uh, I mean, they've gone to the NFL. They're not good, though. Um, it's a really good point. It dominated the game. Marvin Harrison was the defining factor of that football game. Great point by John. And then the biggest question you should have about Penn State is not that – Oh, Franklin's overrated, or Franklin needs to go. By the way, he does that, need to go. That three and sixteen record against AP top ten teams was favored in only one of those nineteen games that he that he's coaching against AP top ten teams. It's not fully fair to Franklin for expecting him to win every single big game when he has the worst team a vast majority of the time going into those games. Those those favored numbers, those odd lines, aren't spit out by people who don't know what they're talking about. I know. They're people who are very informed, very calculated with their lines, which is why most of the time they are good lines. You have the yeah. anomalies, you have the exceptions, of course, but that's true of everything. Sure. I don't think it's fully fair to grill James Franklin fully for this game and, and for where Penn State sits as a program. They are behind Ohio State and Michigan. It's true. It's the fact of the matter. There are gaps between those programs. It is just the matter. It's just the way that things are in the Big Ten East. But with that being said... The, the gap is closing year by year, yeah, inching closer and closer and closer. The problem is, are Penn State fans going to be willing to wait more, more and more time? And I see that patience already running thin. Well, we're going to have to I'm see sure how, how Aller more goes. Time. John yeah, brought up John exactly. brought up Aller, and I think it's a great point. I think both quarterbacks, both young quarterbacks, struggled on Saturday, and I don't think it's 
I, I wasn't particularly unimpressed with Aller. He's a young quarterback. He made some good throws. He he missed a lot of good, uh, of of throws, but he was under so much pressure from that insane defensive line of Ohio State. J T uh, J J T T. Sorry, I couldn't get that out. I mean, he was all over him, especially in the fourth quarter. And he was when big. Penn State was trying to climb back into that game. And he was big in last year's game too. Exactly. JTT has been a game wrecker for the Buckeyes against the Nittany Lions the last two years. So Much I would like develop Marvin your pass Harrison. protection because you have substandard receivers. You you need to develop protection, let their routes develop. But Aller had no time on Saturday. Uh, Penn State kept trying to run the ball. There was nowhere to run. Uh, it was frustrating. It was frustrating because you never, you felt like the offense didn't even have a chance anytime they were stepping onto the field. You saw the weakness of Penn State. The, the question for Penn State, another big one coming into this game, was they were so good at running the football. And you knew Evaporated. it wasn't going to be was not going to be easy against Ohio, this Ohio State front. They have one of the best fronts in the country. It fell on Aller. Was he going to be able to throw the ball consistently well? He wasn't. And when That's you get a big reason why Penn State lost. When you get one-dimensional like that, it makes it even easier for those playmakers to get after the quarterback. Yes, exactly. Because they don't have to worry about the run at all. Yeah, they can just send the blitz. They can bring the heat and get home. And they didn't fully even need to bring the heat to get home. They you know, could rush four and get home. So Exactly. You know, that's the problem. Dropping They're, seven, there was nowhere to go with the football. So I wasn't that unimpressed with Aller. I'm still... Uh, bullish on him as a, as a future quarterback. For I think he's I think he's going to be a really good quarterback, but he's young. He's 19 years old as a sophomore. He's going to have to develop. Mm-hmm. You don't get better in playing in the big moments unless you truly, fully start to do it. Exactly. These I are, thought he had some good moments. These are growing run. experiences. These are learning um, moments for Drew Aller. Yeah, that was a the hope very he gets hostile environment. That's the most hostile environment he's seen by a by a mile. And it wasn't it's going to be the most hostile environment he'll play in all year because exactly. they get Michigan at home. I think that game made him better. Struggling like that, I think that'll make him better in the long run. I'm I'm oddly optimistic after that uh that's after where that showing see, by Drew Aller. I, I really believe that. Agreed. And that 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 is where you see what this kid's made of. He was Three a five-star sure, quarterback wow. coming into Penn State, one of the best quarterback recruits that Penn State has gotten in quite some time. You're going to see what this kid's fully made of. You know the rest of the season and, and next year as well, and in, in those big games, totally we'll see how he'll bounce back on how this Penn State program continues to grow under the leadership of James, under my goodness under the leadership of James Franklin. Well, that will take us to our first break of today's show. When we come back, we will continue talking about college football. I'll talk about two of the other games I highlighted for today, uh, and then we'll move on MLB talk, NFL as well, so much more coming to on heavy hitters when we come back on the radio voice of Kutztown University KUR Kutztown. And welcome back into heavy hitters, Mitchell Smedley. Jack Heim here on this Monday evening with you. Phillies baseball is in full swing. Um, we're talking college football. We'll talk NFL, MLB playoffs. So much to get to. A busy week of sports. We also have uh, NHL to talk about, Jack. Um, believe it. And Schwarber let off with a walk. Turner flied out to the wall. Harper's up. And that's in the dirt. I think that's 3-1 and one now. Not looking at the count. But... Phillies applying some early pressure on Merrill Kelly. But we were talking about Penn State. I think we pretty much uh, – well, I finished up everything I wanted to say about them. Uh, any final thoughts on that game, Jack? Yeah, I just think – I think the Buckeyes are really setting themselves up in a good spot here. I think defensively I they have it figured out. Offensively – again, I'd rather have to figure some things out offensively with the playmakers they have and the situation oh, they're in there than defensively. Because you saw them try to figure out defensively last year. Didn't fully work. They lost the big game to Michigan. They haven't figured out defensively this year. I think they're just going to continue to piece it together week after week offensively. Kyle McCord is still growing very much into his own as a quarterback as well. So, again, I think this Buckeyes team really has room to become even better than they already are. Tip my cap to them. Uh, they, they are a very, very sound football team. Ryan Day is proving he is a very, very solid coach. 
uh, and making the needed adjustments there for this Buckeyes team to truly put them as one of the most complete in the country. They're not fully there yet. They're not at the end goal. But this is what you're going to see from Ohio State year in and year out, uh, I believe, going forward. Very stout on both sides of the ball. Uh, and they're going to be one of the best teams in the country every single year. They, they already were, but only even better now. I think this year's Buckeyes team is is better than last year's. And they were a field goal away from going to the national championship. Yep. But I think you also have to take away from this that Penn State is, like you said, closing that gap. Exactly. They're close. With some development of some players, addition of a couple more. Like, this team played really tight football with Ohio State for three quarters. Yeah, more than three quarters. Exactly. And it's not something Penn State fans want to hear. No. I it's get not, it. We're not happy about it. I get it. You've been waiting for such a long time to get up there with the best of the best. You're closing that gap. You're making it very, very thin, razor thin. You're then eight points of beating him, and while it didn't look like it, that's what the score says. I'm not saying that's what the score reflected. Really, was twenty to six. But at the end of the day, that gap is not far. Two it's years there. in a row, Penn State was really on Ohio State through three. Yeah. So look, the gap's only tightening, and uh, I think they'll be there. I think they'll be there in a couple years. So I'm excited. Every program's route play him at home next year you know the best is different that's all i will say penn state is taking a little bit longer than the fans might hope but franklin has built some consistent success there it's now just yeah. about taking that next big step and especially when the playoffs become 12 you yeah. know i mean penn state will be in that mix probably every year. every year so and once you're in anything can happen you know so remains to be seen but penn state i'm hopeful all right, let's go out to Southern Cal. Bone might be the worst player I've ever watched, by the way. Okay. He's so irritating. He <laughs> can't hit. They walked Harper, not intentionally, but it, it looked intentional. I'm surprised it took this long. And Alec Bohm is blowing everything we trained for. Uh, when you texted me that the other day, that was so funny. <laughs> so, so funny. He's just the worst. Anyway. um, No, come on. <laughs> I, I can, can we rewind that? Let's go out to Southern Cal. Bohm might be the worst player we've ever seen. Uh, I guess Bohm is in he Southern Cal He strikes out now. looking. All right. One of the night games here. Utah stuns USC on a last-second field goal. Eh, stuns is a big word. Uh, I like to be facetious sometimes. 34-32, the Utes win the their fourth Utes. straight game against the Trojans. Beat them twice last year. Uh, once this year, and then I believe they, they obviously won the matchup the year before because it's four in a row. Anyway, Bryson Barnes, the backup quarterback, the now well-renowned pig farmer, um, as that was talked about from his head coach after the win, and Kyle Winningham's postgame comments head coach of Utah, pulled it out. Utes continue to own Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. A master class once more from Kyle Winningham and the Utes, despite being probably the second most talented team on the field Saturday night. They came out with the victory because they just know how to coach. They are a well-balanced team, solid defensively, and good enough offensively. And Bryson Barnes is a good enough quarterback to get this team to be a top 15 team in the country. Without Cam Rising, their star quarterback. He will not be playing this year, by the way. Unfortunate for him. Um, wish wish to see Cam Rising next year. Wish the best for him, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Could have been special for him coming back in the second half. And Utah could still do some really good things. They're not going to make the playoff in my mind. I think they'll probably lose another game. But, heck, who knows? This is college football we're talking about, the sport that just loves to breed chaos and madness each and every week. And I'll talk about a final score on Saturday that puzzled many in the college football world. Down in the ACC, a conference is that that race is shaking up ever so much, especially this weekend. Ever so much. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I like that. I like that pause. So yeah. Hey. Pauses are powerful. Pauses are power. From Dr. Words Earl. to live by. Yeah. 
when you're giving a speech, you know, or presentation. Pauses are very selective and powerful uh, figures of how you approach things. Anyway, enough, enough talking about that. Let's go to USC and let's talk about the Trojan side of things. Look, they refuse, and conversely to Ohio State, they refuse to accept that their defensive play is subpar and need to change it. They, they, they have to know that that is not good enough to win titles and be good enough at USC. They have to know that because what they're putting out there not only last year, but this year, everyone's like, oh, this USC defense could take a step forward. Could be better. Nope, has not shown that. It's been pretty much the exact same as last year. Relatively no improvement at all, and the Trojans continues to lose games because of it. Utah, 34-32, they get those big plays offensively. 53-yard touchdown on a check down to the running back, on a wheel route to the running back, pardon me. Uh, and then another one over the middle, right back to Vete into the end zone again. Look, they were just carving up um, this Utah defense. Mitch is sighing in frustration from the Phillies. Probably what USC fans are doing on Saturday night because their playoff chances are more than likely done. Already two losses, one in Notre Dame and now one in conference. Pac-12 title hopes becoming, you know, they can still get to that game. It's going to take some things, but they just probably need, they need to win out the rest of the way uh, in order to do it because it doesn't look, it doesn't look like Washington's going to lose a game and I don't think Oregon is going to lose another game. By the way, these two teams will play each other in the coming weeks and I think Oregon will take that game. So, yes. So, will, one of them has to lose the game. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's going to be USC. You said neither of them is going to lose. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I said Oregon won't lose a game the rest of the way, and those two teams will play each other, and I think Oregon wins that game. Yeah, so. I'm sorry. I thought you meant Oregon and Washington. Yeah, no, they already played in Washington. Because you go Oregon won't lose another game, and Washington won't lose another game, and those two teams play each other. Oh, oh, I meant to say Oregon plays USC. Okay, so I got you. If I said that that way, I'm sorry. I was talking very fast there. It's okay, buddy. Trying to work Getting my way through details, this. right? Right before our traffic update. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully the walkie-talkie's off. So, actually, we're going to just do that now. It is <laughs> 31. So, we'll get our updated traffic report here in Rush Hour. We'll step aside for 30 seconds when we come back resuming our college football discussion here on Heavy Hitters. No accidents in the Lehigh Valley on 22 or 78, Berks County on 222 or 422, Schuylkill County on 209 or 309, Carbon County on 248 or 443 or on the Turnpike. The 69 News Traffic Center tip line is 610-820-1111. That's the latest from the 69 News Traffic Center. Back here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, yeah. K or Kutztown Jack Heim, as always. Joined by my lovely co-host, despite his sports teams, despite the jersey he's wearing Bryce Harper. this afternoon. You're joined by Bryce Harper himself. I still love him. Anyway. You love Bryce Harper? No. Yeah. And we're joined by you. 610-683-4058. Bingo. Bango. Bongo. New thing. <laughs> New thing? Yes. New bit? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Let's keep going here. My final thoughts on this uh, Utah-USC game. The culture at Utah, what Kyle Whittingham has built there, nothing short of fabulous. This program is consistently competitive. They consistently win a lot of games. The buy-in they get each and every year, despite being doubted, despite not having the best recruiting classes, what they're able to do, the talent, what they get out of their talent is, you know, with up with the best of the best, really. I mean, they get guys who are underappreciated, and they just turn them into great, great players. I can't gush about what they do enough over there. Very serious, you know, chances to try to get to a Pac-12 title game. They're still in that race. Only one loss. Uh, it was to Oregon State, so that is an in-conference loss. But they run the table. They could very well get there. 
going to be tough, though. But we've seen crazier things happen, right? Tough sledding. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> tough sledding. We've seen crazier things happen. That's true. Like Aaron Nola throw strikes. Like Tennessee go up 20-6 to six at the break and then not score again in the second half. Oh, wait, Alabama. we've seen that before. So, yeah, that, that has happened before. Recurring Alabama theme. Again, Alabama, a team that... Oh, this is a classic case. Alabama wins. This is a classic case of a team that everybody writes off early and they come back, pop back on the radar and say, hey, we didn't go away just because you wrote us off after a loss to Texas. Doesn't mean that we said, well, our season's over. We quit. Do you want to no. know why that is, Jack? Do you want to know why? Because Nick Saban has built long-standing no, success there and they're not losers. The reason people write them off is because college football is a Dumb sport where if you lose one game, you're out of the playoffs. No, goodbye. It's two losses. No, for the major programs. Yeah, for it's the major annoying. If programs. you lose one game, you're likely out of the top four. Yeah, I guess, but like, it's annoying. Can we know. call that a strike, please? Like, just saying. It's because you like professional sports better, which is why you hate that model. I don't, like. What is good about that model? If you lose once, you're done. Because it makes the regular season so great. You can't take a game off. Uh-oh. In the NFL, Uh-oh. in the NFL, if you don't give it your best on a Sunday, Home run you Tommy lose. Fam. Oh boy. Hey. Like nothing. John from Houston was right just uh like a five week game, a, five games a week later. later. Five games later. All right, anyway, former Met goes deep. That's again, that's the problem I have with people who say, "Oh, the one loss thing is dumb." Oh, the loss thing is no. There's 12 games in a regular season, and you have to bring it each and every week. You cannot take a week off. It demands perfection, which is why we see the best team at the end of the year be the champion. Georgia's won back-to-back years because they were the best team in college football. I can't always say the Braves are the best team in baseball this year. They didn't win because professional sports is different from college, which is why I appreciate the college game so much because it is different. It gives people something alternative. It's a breath of fresh air for those who might not fully be invested in the NFL. That is why people have a problem with the 12-team playoff method, because it is becoming like professional sports. Because professional sports are better. You're not, you would not, I mean, they, there are people in your corner there. I'm not one of them. I know. But, again, it's something different. It's something that a lot of people like. And, and again, but do you understand, like, you get to the second half of the season, how many teams aren't competitive anymore? That doesn't bother you. How many teams aren't competitive? Like, aren't competitive anymore because they lost in the first half of the season. So well, many what, games do don't mean anything. Oh, my goodness, back-to-back home runs. Wait, do you think teams just roll over and quit because they ruled out why, of the Why is race? Aaron Nola, like, the dumbest person I've ever met? I don't understand. I think you just said teams just stop trying because not they're out of the stop trying, race. but they're out. They're not competitive anymore. That doesn't mean they don't keep trying. You have careers on the line. Not, I mean, not look. Not everything not is about the, the playoff. They, that's that's what it uh, in my mind is about. That is not ever okay. So you think every team's goal at the start of the year is saying, "Hey, we can make the college playoff this year." Should be as a realistic goal. No, it's not a realistic goal because there's only four spots. Like like that is just not every single team's goal. Some teams, okay. Let's let's for an example, let's take who would be a good case study here. Talking about goals, Aaron Nola's goal should be to not allow home runs at a record pace anymore, because that's annoying. Missouri, Diamondbacks. Let's take Missouri at the start of the year. Missouri, not a realistic goal. Let's say, hey, we're going to make the college playoff this year. 
That is not an accurate, realistic goal for the University of Missouri. But you know what? They're a damn good football team. They're 7-1. and one. They're probably the second best team in the SEC East, right behind Georgia. This is a year to get better, to improve, to take steps forward. Despite what you might think, and you're so rooted in the professional mentality, that everything is about the playoff. But you can't just appreciate the regular season. That is why I love college so much, because every single week you can appreciate the regular season. That's just my standpoint. That's where I lie. I'm about. That's where I lie. I'm on about that side winning of the rings. I'm about winning, which doesn't Look, make sense that I'm a Philly. I want to win championships too. Every program and the fans of every program says yes. I would love to win a championship. No one is not saying that. Like, there's nobody out there that isn't saying that. But the regular season gives you a gift in this sport that you can tune in at all hours of the day and catch either either a marquee matchup or a crazy matchup. Like West Virginia and Houston with a hail mary on a Friday night is is, is incredible. Those two teams aren't playing for the college playoff. But it's a fun conference showdown that had a crazy ending, and it overall was just a great game. Like, the, yeah, but when just, you get to that, you're basically playing exhibition games. Those are not exhibition games. They're exhibition games. So they just have no pride in themselves as a competitor. They have pride. They, they're competing. They're like, we want to win this game. Why? We don't know, but we want to win. I don't know. Maybe because you want to win. Maybe because you're strapping on the helmet and you have something to prove yeah. every time you go out there. That's what I'm saying. They want to win. They want to improve their... Your standpoint, though, is from a loser's argument. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, just because we're out of the playoffs, everything's done. Might as well just forfeit but the rest no, of the game. No, I'm saying as okay, a league, okay. when most of your teams are not playoff eligible anymore after half of the season... That's not a good product. By your logic, I'm not though, entertained. I want stakes. By your logic, though, then Caleb Williams should sit out the rest of the season. No, but why? He's nothing to play for. Because he's making a resume. He's already going to be the number one pick. He's he's projected as the unanimous number one overall draft pick in the NFL. I understand. USC that, but another no, quarterback U, could USC surpass has, him. USC has no chance to win anything. They have two losses. They're probably not going to the College Football Playoff. They're probably not going to win the Pac-12 title. They're building a resume. What, what does Caleb Williams have to play for? Though? A resume. By your mentality. Resume. The college level playoff is done. And a resume. A Teams have already seen a resume. They already have their thoughts on this kid. By your logic, nothing that these final five games, nothing that these final five games that Williams would play could prove anything different from what they've already seen. That's just by your logic. It's not my logic. That's yours. That's all I'm saying. I didn't even hear that last couple sentences. I said by your logic, if you're out of the playoff and these teams have nothing to play for, Caleb Williams. The players have things to play for, not the team, though. That's what I'm saying, Jack. Yeah, but yeah, but well, actually, you know, you no, know, no. By your logic, Caleb Williams has something to play for. All the NFL scouts think he's the number one overall pick. Yeah, he would go number one overall on the draft. Solidifying that. What would these final five games change in their minds about Caleb Williams that they haven't already seen? And you'll see that even in bowl season, like the last game or two, players do sit out. He'll get to that point. He's not there yet. He's gonna, you know. Play the rest of the season. Make sure he's the number one quarterback. Da, 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 da. By the way, the only reason Stats. I bring up the Caleb Williams things is Emmanuel Acho tweeted that out that he should sit out the rest of the season. A preposterous take. It's I mean, not that, that preposterous. Foolish. It's kind of correct. It is not kind of correct. What is him playing going to do for USC? Oh my goodness. So you would agree with what I said. I part. I would understand it if it happened. I I wouldn't necessarily be in favor of it, but I I would understand it. How about having some self respect? To not, you know, why th- th- you're supposed to be a leader of the team, and you would so sit out the rest. Of the what season. What do you say to all the players that sit out during bowl week? Most of them are sitting out or trying to, in quote, uh, ensure they don't get hurt for the NFL right. draft. So, what's wrong with Caleb Williams doing that? 
It's different sitting out five games. Oh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, Mike, when you're projected to go number one, can we can we throw strikes? Aaron Nola has like anyway, two home runs, a walk, and a double. We got to step it's aside. Three nothing. That was a good debate. We'll wrap up our college football discussion when we come back here to wrap up hour number one. Going to talk about Alabama, Tennessee. Talk about Virginia, stunning North Carolina. What in the heck is going on in the ACC here in Week Eight? All that and more coming your way next year to wrap up hour number one of heavy hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Hour number one of heavy hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack High, Mitchell Smedley, as always, not happy. Smedley's unhappy. I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. Always, always glad to be with you here on Mondays and Wednesdays from 5 to 7 p.m. If you want to talk about something in the show, college football, MLB, whatever it may be, whatever is on your mind in the sports realm, you can get your thoughts heard. Dialing 610-683-4058. 610-683-4058 to dial into heavy hitters, as always. Diamondbacks fans, don't call. <laughs> if you're a Diamondbacks fan, don't call. Call in. Nope. It's a waste. Let's hear your thoughts. It's a waste of your time. So, that would be funny. We got a Diamondbacks fan in here. I don't think they exist. Uh, well, 48,000 of them. Why are you still not throwing? It's 3-1. and one. Runner on third. One out. Three to nothing already. So let's not throw strikes. Genius idea. Why didn't I think of it? 48,000 strong uh, were in Arizona. So they do exist. They were so quiet. So many of them were Phillies fans. Did you watch that broadcast? No. Actually, wait. Yes, I did. Full count. Yeah. So many Phillies fans there. So. All right. Let's round up the college football discussion. Take five more minutes to round up this discussion. Milrow solved the QB situation in Alabama as they won 34-20 over Tennessee. Not elite quarterback play, but good enough to get them the win in this one. Defense has been solid for Alabama practically all year. Stepped up, rebound in the second half of this one. And again, I said one of the classic cases of a team. You write off early, but pop back on your radar as the year goes on. Do not leave the game in the hands of the officials. This one is directly directly at Tennessee. Again, you don't want a game to be affected and have the outcome altered by the officials. Maybe don't. Maybe just... I don't know who that is. Someone is not calling Someone, the I believe, has dialed the production room. Yeah. If you want to call in, once again, that number is <laughs> 610-683-4058. That's funny. Once again, 4058, Josh. Oh, it's very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, but, yes, do not leave the game in the hands of the officials directly at Tennessee. Maybe you should... Uh, you know, tack on to your 20-6 lead uh, instead of letting it slip away and then try to blame the officials afterwards. Just a thought. That's just merely a thought on my end. Um. Anyway, I don't know how he didn't score on that play. Yeah, but I'm not uh, going to question Longoria did not go. Ground ball or bouncing ball to Harper. Slowly hit, and he beat Carroll to the bag. Two outs. Anyways, other fun games around college football. Oklahoma 31-29. They outlast UCF at home. In that game to stay undefeated, man, oh, man. What a fun one, man. UCF was battling all day long. I thought they were going to do it. I really, really thought they were going to do it, but they just could not gut it out in the end. Two-point conversion failed to tie the game with under two minutes to go. Gut-wrenching loss, but Oklahoma, Brad Venables in year two. What? Adjustments he's made 7-0. They go to Kansas next week. A couple of, you know, possibly trap game, uh, Road affairs for the Sooners at Kansas at Oklahoma State. 
for the Sooners with their upcoming schedule. All right, Oregon takes care of business against Washington State, 38-24. Minnesota and Iowa, man, what a wacky ending in this game. Iowa thought they had the winning punt return, but it was deemed it was an illegal fair catch motion as the punt returner was looking to just say let it bounce, signal that with his left hand. They, they deemed it that it was a fair catch the punt return touchdown was nullified. The Hawkeyes go on to lose 12-10 at home to Minnesota. P.J. Fleck finally gets his first win as head coach in Minnesota over Iowa. And that is one that just hurts. That hurts if you're an Iowa fan. Wow. Tough one. Tough pill to swallow for the Hawkeyes. They fall to 6-2 and with the loss at Kinnick Stadium. Unreal 12-10. Classic Big Ten West showdown right there. Virginia and North Carolina. The Tar Heels get stunned at home. 31-27 by Tony Elliott in Virginia. Tony Elliott gets his first ACC conference win as a coach for Virginia in a game where nobody saw it coming. Mack Brown and the Heels utterly collapse at home. An unbelievable slip-up, let-down game. Heels fans are hurting right now too, right there yeah. with Iowa. Yep. I mean, losing to Virginia. This is a not, this is not a good Virginia football team at all. Um, they've lost some tough games. I mean, they only won by two touchdowns at home against William and Mary. Not a bad FCS team, but like, still, you want to call yourself like a you know representable Division One Power Five school uh, that has aspirations of winning anything. You shouldn't be winning by fourteen against FCS schools at home. No, so. not recommended. Anyway. They beat North Carolina, though. Credit to them. Tip of the cap. Heck of a job. Cavaliers win it. Wow. Still can't believe it. ACC standings have now been thrown into a bind. Four one-loss teams in North Carolina being out in the mix gives Louisville and Duke new life. Virginia Tech still there with one loss, too. Somehow, some way, they're 3-4, and four, but they're 2-1 and one in conference play. That's not going to last. And Miami gets the door open up for them with their win over Clemson. Um, so now they're only one game back of the second-place squads. Florida State's to represent. Chop on, baby. 5-0 and in ACC play. By the way, that's not what we say. I, I kind of just popped in my mind and I said it, so it is what it is. <laughs> that was that was awful. I know. I'm no, so no, no, sorry. no, no. Chop off, Jack. Yeah. Whatever. Chop off. Anyway. No good. Fire up the war chant and plant the spear because FSU wins again. So. Oh, my goodness. What? <laughs> Am I becoming insufferable? It's like you guys here? invented that. So many sports teams. We do it the best. It's not even a discussion. I don't know about We do it way better than the Braves. Get out of here, Braves. Chiefs, laughable. When there are 80-plus thousand people in a stadium. It's only because it's a bigger stadium. Doing the war chant. 80,000 Braves fans would sound better. Yeah, okay. Get out of here. Get out of here. Fine. The marching Chiefs make it rock. Penn State does the zomination better than anyone else. Doke at night is a big-time atmosphere. It's incredible. Truly is. Whatever. 38-20. Speaking of Florida State, let's just talk about them real quick. Yeah, get it off your chest. 38-20. Big win over Duke at home. Got popped in the mouth a little bit. Went down 10-0 early. Mike Elko and the Blue Devils came out punching. Uh, But Florida State showed that they have that ability to respond right back. A couple of big plays. Uh, I think the play that turned the tide in this game, it was 17-7 before Deuce Spawn returned a kickoff 99 yards to the house for a touchdown. Man, oh man, 17-14 got us right back in it right after the pick six. Just boom, instant response. Get us within a field goal. Went in the half down by three, and then the second half, we came out punching, outscored them 21-0 in the fourth quarter. 
Mike Elko and the Blue Devils offense got shut down. Great game for Florida State. 7-0 and some recruiting impacts affected from that. A five-star flip from Miami. A four-star linebacker in next year's 2025 class committed. Mike Norvell and the Seminoles surging. A lot of momentum behind that program. Tip of the cap. What an incredible job he's done to put Florida State back at the top of this sport. Right where they belong. Should have never fell off at Jimbo Fisher. Willie Tiger gets thrown in there too. Can't forget him. But Mike Norvell's got us back on top. Fourth in the country. 7-0. and oh, We go to Wake Forest next week, favored by three touchdowns. What a time it is. What a time it is to be a Florida State fan right now. Can I interject? It's not on topic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Phillies, JT just led off with a leadoff double. Um, the Phillies need to answer with at least one run here. Runner on second, nobody. Need to answer after that big inning. Um, being down by two is a lot easier than being down by three. This is very important. Just thought I'd say that. Castellanos, Marsh, and the automatic out, Johan Rojas, to follow. Back to you, buddy. Okay. Well, let's get a message from the That's KUR not Club. a strike. From the KUR community calendar, join KUAB and OSI on October 25th at 7 p.m. as we welcome mentalist and illusionist Wayne Hoffman for an evening of mind-bending mysteries and laugh-out-loud comedy. Mind Candy is Wayne Hoffman's award-winning stage show, which has been presented at performing arts centers, colleges, cruise ships, corporate events, and arenas. This incredible show will have audience members participating in interactive, mind-reading experiments and mind-boggling illusions that will leave you questioning your senses. This message brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, K-U-R. Okay, wrapping up hour number one, long college football discussion. It was noted, great weekend for college football. um, Excuse me, what was week eight? So we now head into... Week number nine. College football season is flying. Mitch, let's talk about some MOB now, though. Do we have to? Phillies and D-backs ongoing with their game six. A series that should have been over twice, but that's okay. Craig Kimbrell, you suck. Yeah. He's awful. He's Philly, the Philly. worst pitcher I've ever watched. Phillies MVP, Craig Kimbrell. Quiet, you. The Condor. So frustrating. The Condor. That's really? that's low. That is low. Really? Next thing you know, Shotty got low, 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 low. <laughs> Called strike three on Castellanos. Does he advance the runner? No, because why would we score? It's the worst baseball team. It's fine. It's there. It's the not, worst baseball. Not from I've reports. I'm getting. Well, it, I put it there. Um, These it's not phones. the location of the phone. It's the uh, the lack of dial tone. I believe. I don't know, man. So we got to replace that thing. Marsh, base hit. Please send him. Oh God. Um, as Mitch gives you live updates of the Phillies, let's talk about the Rangers and the Astros. Going he got the to- second on that RBI double. Right, well, single goes to second on the throw. Phillies have life here in the bottom of the second. They've answered back. That's huge. No shutdown inning for Merrill Kelly. I said they had to get one. That's a big run. The tying run is at the plate. Rojas, Rojas, but Kyle Schwarber on deck. All right, anyway, let's talk about the Rangers and the Astros. Going to Game 7, very well. The Phillies' opponent, possibly, if they can win either today or tomorrow. I mean, what a setup, man. Game 7? I said the Astros were not done in this series when they went down 2-0. No, you were right. I, I was dead on the night. I saw some upcoming matchups. I said, uh-oh, I don't know about that one there. I thought they were. Scherzer I got shelled. they were dead. Yeah, Scherzer, Game 3, got hit pretty hard. Didn't look fully awful. Again, just some... Bad place sliders. Again, that slider has not been good for him this year. Very well saw that in a Mets uniform. I mean, unreal. That pitch has not been And he uh, gets the, the start tonight. To to, so, yeah, he'll get the start in the Game 7 tonight. 
I, I assume Bruce Bochy's going to have a very short lease on Scherzer. Yep. If he gets hit early and gets hit hard. Against Javier, who was out of money game. in Game 3. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, 2 0 on Johan Rojas. Let's rewind to Game 6, though. Evaldi, another sure. gem, pitching six in the third innings, two runs on five hits, three walks to four Ks. Rangers' bats showed up in this one. Astros had opportunities. They could not get the job done. Big time opportunity, though. They had bases loaded on the fifth inning, I believe. Mauricio Dubon and un- and Dubon, excuse me, an uncompetitive at bat, chased out of the zone on two breaking balls and then hooked a liner to short. Then a, uh, was it a strikeout? I believe it was a strikeout. What? I believe it was a strikeout for the second out of that inning. And then oh, a, yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah. And then a flyout? Or maybe another strike. I forget exactly how it broke down. Anyway, the, the main point a is... ground ball to short? The Astros got no runs uh, in that inning. They had bases loaded, nobody out, and could not score when they were only down one. It was 3-2. to That's a big missed opportunity there. And, of course, Adolis Garcia, who was 0-4 with four strikeouts, gets up again in the ninth, hits a grand slam, 9-2, salted the game away. Yep. Every road team has won in this series in the first six games. Rangers have tied the series at three, going to Game 7 tonight. At Minute Maid Park. Let's give our brief early thoughts and then continue talking about it at the flip of the hourly break here on Heavy Hitters on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, K. Or Kutztown pitching matchup, we already alluded to it. Max Scherzer got hit pretty hard in Game 3. Christian Javier, who is a postseason gem. gem. <gasps> on right there, bro. Nice. Bang. That was excellent. That was electric. Javier, 2-0 this postseason, 1-6-90 array. There are just some pitchers who are built for the big moments, built for the postseason. Christian Javier is one of them. I think the Astros are very content that he is getting the ball tonight to start Game 7. Javier, not a guy who's going to be going like seven or eight innings, more than likely, but he's a guy who's going to give you five, more than likely five to six really solid innings and keep you in the ball game. On the flip side for the Rangers, if you're Scherzer, target goal, Five innings, two runs. That's what you want out of Scherzer yep. in this game. If he gives you five innings, two runs. Against this re- lineup, that's incredible for anybody. Exactly. You know? Five innings, two runs, that gives you a really good shot to win on the road. With the way this bullpen's been playing in the postseason, Jose Leclerc has been excellent. Um, you know, Josh Spores, very good last night. All hands on deck for this game, seven on both sides, uh, outside of Framber Valdez and Nathan Avaldi, more than likely, just because they pitched yesterday. They're probably not going to... Definitely, I would say definitely not going to be available. But anyone else, all hands on deck here for both teams uh, to move on. Astros are going to get back to the World Series for the second straight year. Um, wait, no, that would be three straight years. Three in a row, yeah. It would be three straight years going back to the World Series. But the Rangers, they're trying to go back to the World Series for the first time since 2011 and get the title they so, so seek for. Back-to-back years they made it. They lost to the Giants and the Cardinals. They're looking to get back and take on either the Diamondbacks or the Phillies. D-backs leading in Game 6 right now. 3-1. Three to 3-1. Three one. To one. As it stands. You got a score prediction, Jack? In this game? Uh, game 7. Oh, Game 7? I'm going to go Astros win it 4-2. to two. Mm. Ball 1. Uh, I also have the Astros, but I'm thinking more of something to the tune of... Uh, I think pitching's going to I think pitching's going to take over on the Houston side. 7-3. I think the Rangers get a couple late runs. This game's not particularly close. 7-3 is your final. All righty, that's going to take us to our hourly break. Hour number 1 in the books. Hour number not 2. A strike, but okay. Coming your way next year on Heavy Hitters on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University K or Kutztown Don't Go Anywhere. It is our number 2 of Heavy Hitters here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University KUR. That's Jack Heim. I'm Mitchell Smedley. We're taking you through all your favorite in sports talk. 
and Trey Turner's absolutely the worst person to ever walk on the planet Earth. <laughs> Strikes out on three pitches, two of which in the dirt, from Merrill Kelly with two on and two out in the second inning. The Phillies answer with only one after Diamondbacks put up three. I, I, I can't stand Trey Turner. You said they needed to get at least one back. They, they did, did, and they did. And it's it's not the game isn't over yet until Aaron Nola steps on the mound again. But <laughs> there was an opportunity to score more, to go above and beyond expectations. That's not something the Phillies are very familiar with, though. Unbelievable. In the, their pitches are in the dirt. If you have a competitive at bat, that's fine. You're going to miss 7 out of 10 times. 8 if you're Kyle Schwarber. But you're swinging in the dirt. Who's the blind one here, Trey? <laughs> Moving on, we oh, talked college man. football. We're talking MLB right now, as you can tell. We'll talk NFL and HL, all the NLs, uh, really, in this hour. <sighs> Console me, Jack. And we I should mention, let me just cut you off right after I went to you. Uh, your phone calls also, uh, 610-683-4058. Not that other number. <laughs> Still funny. Reports where the phone was not working in hour number one towards well, the end. So I try to fix it over hourly break. Give us a call. Let me, let me try. Let me let me figure it out real quick. So Mitchie, uh, Mitchie tries fixing the phone. That's that's what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, it's a new series coming uh, to a station near you. Mitchie tries. Coming to a theater near you. Uh, we had Mitchie tries using a coupon from 1997. <laughs> that was very funny. To get free scantrons. I was rejected. Like every every other night in my life. <laughs> I love how you always, every single show, without fail, twist it to sound something depressing about your life. Well, I think it's very easy your to love do. life, too. What love life? Oh, yeah, they kind of put that one on a silver platter. Yeah, that was right you. there. Uh, I like that saying, silver platter. So you like silver platters? I like the saying. What about like silver spoon? Born what? with a silver spoon in your mouth. Silver spoon? Silver spoon. I don't know. I wasn't like that. <laughs> Neither was I. I wasn't still born. I wasn't born with a spoon in my mouth. <laughs> That'd be weird. You need to go home. <laughs> I need to root for a better baseball team. That's what anyway. Oh, let's fair, keep it going. You got just what let's I move need. on here. I want to keep talking about Game Seven in this Rangers Astros series. Do ya? What's it? Do ya? Um. Yeah. Yes, I do. Though we talked about the pitching matchup. If there's one batter you think could have a big impact on tonight's game. Either one or both sides, who would it be? Um, it's Mr. Playoffs. I mean, the guy just rakes in clinching scenarios and big scenarios. It's Jordan Alvarez, the man that ruined every dream I ever had. Um, look for him to go deep tonight, or at least come up big in a huge spot. Could not have done that for me at a worse time. Why? Just, just trying to get a sip of water, and there's just that, like, Weird silence. Anyway. I had no idea what you were doing. Oh, no, it's okay. Bad timing on my part. You live, you learn, you know? Anyway. You're supposed to do it, like, right after you throw to me and I give my answer? Yeah, exactly. Not in the middle of you ending your answer. As I'm, like, winding up. So. Like Aaron Nola, ready to deliver (laughs) eight inches off the plate. Um, My player on the Astros lineup-wise, give me Jose Altuve. Give me Mr. Clutch. Mr. Playoffs. It's a good answer. This guy always seems to come through in the biggest moments. I really thought we were going to see uh, uh, Chapman versus Altuve last night mm-hmm. with a chance to tie or take the lead. You know what we might have tonight? What? Altuve has just sent the Astros to, to the, the World, World Series. Series. That's a fly ball. 
We got a guy there. His name's Brandon Marsh. I call him the Swamp Daddy. Um, also, should mention, today is the one-year anniversary of Bedlam at the Bank. Gross. It was a great moment. Great moment for I, you. Great, this, moment, so this is, great moment for you. Great moment for Phillies fans. One year ago today, I was Not prancing cool. around the Golden Bear South Courtyard, ranting and raving about how the Phillies are going to the World Series. The Phillies are going to the World Series! I, I was... I was it was an interesting day. You were feeling it. It was a Sunday. It was cloudy. I remember that day. That's a strike. Look who found the strike zone. Oh, All right. it's so cute when you throw strikes, Aaron. That sounded so weird. That sounded so weird. I'm so glad we caught that live on air. <laughs> so it glad. It was supposed to be a joke, Jack. I know, but. I don't actually find him cute because I can't see. I more just meant the tone of voice you said that. Mm-hmm. You're so cute, you are with your throwing strikes like that. Oh. oh. Anyway. Look at you, you little pitcher. <laughs> little starter, did you. Not, did not know where you were going with yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't either. I just said a lot. Way to fill that in, because that could end badly. Look at you, you mound hogger. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh, now he threw a ball. He ruined it. We gave our score predictions. <laughs> we said how we think the pitching matchup is going to go. Big talking point, Brian Abreu appealed his suspension. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to see. He got the first two games next year. First two games next year? Yes. Really? Yes. Good for them. That's the headline I saw. Way to not end them, uh, end his postseason. So, I didn't see anything about that. I usually get the alerts, but I didn't get the alert on that one. So, way to beat me to the punch. You're welcome. Punch. Do we do that here? We wrestle. Um... (laughs) We had some great times before the Oh, that was fun. Um, by the way, just want to reiterate, 610-683-4058. Phone should be working now. Okay. Um, yes, now that we got that done, let's go to Phillies. Let's go to Phillies D-backs. Let's not and say we did. Let's go. I'm so sad right now. To Phillies D-backs. Um, 3-1. I did not. That's not the way I saw this game starting. Me I did either. not see the Diamondbacks getting three on the road. Honestly, I thought the Phillies were going to come out and just win this game, like like everyone three, else thought, like six to three. Yeah, and they come it. off a, a mature, grown up, real baseball team win where they score early, tack on a few. When things get a little tighter, they add on even more. And he walked him. Okay, there's no need to yell. There is a need. He's the worst pitcher I've ever seen. And people want to re-sign him. Give him six years, seven years. No. Three days. That's all you get. It took me three days. Great going, buddy. It took me three it games. It took us three weeks wait, to get wait, to the NLCS. Hold on, hold on. It took us three games to get the series lead with uh, no, three wins, I should say. but Three wins. It took us three wins to get one for the World Series. Three wins, Aaron. And yeah. you're going to blow it. It's frustrating, man. Yeah. yeah look, oh, another ball. I get the stance. Look who lost the strikes. You're so ugly when you don't throw strikes. Like okay, that. I'm going to need you to stop doing that. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. So the Phillies, we all know, took the first two. And then down in Arizona, that place is just the worst for Phillies fans. Uh, Chase Field, never want to go there again. Wow. Ground ball to second for one. In time! Double play around the horn. Alec Boehm. Wow, what a decision. Saw that already. Inning over. Again, that's why I said you don't yell. That was close. That wasn't yelling. That was just projecting. No, 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 no. I more meant about the walk. Oh, oh, you were like, there's no need. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said that. Stop it, you little therapist. So, 
So, Chase Field, um, game three, which I was on a plane for, didn't see anything past the middle of the fourth. And thank goodness I didn't, because uh, after the Phillies scored in the seventh, um, the Diamondbacks would tie it off of Orion Kirkran, who struggled recently. And then um, Marte would walk it off with a single against Craig Kimbrell, who is awful. And then, as if it couldn't get worse. Uh, basically, imagine like the same sort of game the next day. Phillies go up 5-2, yada, yada. Up by three, why would we have anything nice? Kirkerin walks in a run. Thank you very much. That just, that, I mean, nothing, my gears are so eroded after how much they've been grinded by <laughs> walking in runs. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You can't walk in a run in the National League Championship Series. We're big boys. We wear big boy pants and big boy shoes. We don't walk in runs. That's not what we do here. If they get a single, fine. At least you are competitive. I'm upset. Uh, and then if, as if that couldn't get worse, the game was tied on a Alec, what's his name? Uh, Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas. Two-run home run Splash off of down. yours truly. Craig Kimbrell. Splash down for Thomas. Followed by an RBI single. I'll get that. All right. Well, Mitchie takes the phone call. I'll continue to recap. Uh, what has transpired? Thomas tied up with a home run uh, in that game. Evened it up with a pinch hit home run before the Diamondbacks would take the lead off a of Gabriel Moreno single. Man, oh, man. What a comeback for the D-backs in the series, though, and to tie it at two. And who are we talking to today? Well, Jack. We're... Sorry, buddy. We're going to be talking to... Perhaps my favorite caller, Ruben, 96-year-old Ruben. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm not the, I was going to say great, but a little little concerned right about now. Little sure less, you right? Are too, my friend. Yeah, I I'm... Yeah, a little little less. I'll tell you what the problem with these Phillies are. I'll tell you what the problem is. Tell me. This Arizona pitcher really isn't that great, but he he's hitting a lot of things outside the strike zone, but the Phillies first pitch you don't do that you just try to get a couple in there first and then you know swing but everybody wants to be the hero everybody wants to hit the long ball long balls aren't going to win it you gotta i mean they will win it sometimes but they're not going to win it all the time you gotta keep a cool head and just let a few go and you know get some walks in there and then you know then we'll get some runs that's what you gotta do you can't swing at the first pitch that's what i'm telling you i like your style ruben because that's what i've been yelling about the entire time. That's the Phillies' philosophy. That's Trey Turner's M.O. That's what he does, Ruben. The pitch was in the dirt, and he's swinging at it. What's going on with him? That's the problem. Everybody thinks they're going to be a hero. You can't be a hero every time. Exactly. You you just got to take it easy. I think we're okay. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I had to take some extra stomach medication tonight here. I had to ask the nurse for some extra stomach meds. But we're going to be okay. I think think by the sixth or seventh inning, we're going to be back ahead. And, um, you know, yeah, we'll be okay. I'm going to call for, uh, let's see, we're going to win this game uh, 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 6-4. Okay. 6-4, we're going to win this game. 6-4. to four. I, like, I will have you know, Bryce Harper took a first pitch for a ball, so we're making progress here. Okay. All right, maybe he's listening to your show. Okay. Maybe he is. Good. I think he's got an earpiece. I can see the earpiece <laughs> on the field does. right now. <laughs> the earpiece for does. Harper. Yeah, yep. absolutely. He's, I, I think, Ruben, I think you should run for manager. I think you should oust Rob Thompson and become what? the manager. At least the bench uh, you know, coach. I, I, don't, I don't want to brag, but I think I could have made some better decisions those games that we lost in Arizona. But I won't Would you have there. put Kimbrell in, Ruben? Oh, he struck him out. Unbelievable. Would you have put... Unbelievable. Would you have put Craig Kimbrell in in those two games? What was, it? What was that? I didn't hear you. Would you put Kimbrell in in Arizona? 
when oh, he. Absolutely not. I can't stand the guy. They should have left him in Arizona. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, Ruben. We always get along. Ru- Ruben is just it's different. You think I'm a Kimbrel hater? Get a little Ruben, dude. Craig Kimball's putting Ruben in danger, taking all this stomach medication. This is not good. Craig needs to think about more than himself. It's not good. When you're 96 years old, my stomach and my heart can't take all this stress. Exactly. I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to go listen to you guys in the background with the TV on. I mean, perfect combination. I think you guys should go three hours tonight so you can commentate (laughs) throughout the whole game. Thank you so much, Ruben. We love talking to you. All right, I'll be thinking of you during the game. Take care, Ruben. All right, I'll call you. I'll call you Wednesday, hopefully with some good news by then. Sounds good. Have a good one, Ruben. All righty. What a great call. Ruben, hope you're feeling okay. Stomach yeah. medicine. I mean, that stuff will get you, man. Yeah. The Phillies Craig will Campbell do that to you. Phillies leads, are going to give you agita. Phillies are going to give you agita. Phillies give me eczema. Eczema. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. You know that video? I got eczema. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. I'm going to give a very, very delayed notebook. Wow. Okay. Man, oh, man. All righty. From the KUR community calendar, join KUAB and OSI November 19th at 7 p.m. in the MSU Room 218 for a night of folk, soul, and rock and roll with Murphy from American Idol. A fan favorite from season 19, Murphy commands the stage with his distinctive voice and style and delivers a performance that is unique, inspiring, and positively original. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, hour number two of Heavy Hitters, all things baseball talk here. We talked about the Rangers and the Astros. Base hit, boom, tying run coming to the plate. Game six and game seven, what we think can happen there. Philly series, we started to talk about it. Got a little bit off topic, but hey, it's okay. Always appreciate a call from the man, the myth, the legend, Ruben. I love Ruben. Ruben lifts my spirits even when we're losing. There you go. See? No more losing Ruben. That's what I call. No more losing Ruben. Uh, <laughs> can't wait to get a call from Kegs on Wednesday. Kegs, dude. <laughs> I can't wait for the Kegs call. <laughs> oh, that's funny. We got to tap the Kegs. Alrighty. That's the new segment. 3-1, though, bottom third. <laughs> Uh, in this game, hypothetically, Ruben thinks we're going to be a okay with stops. Ruben goes six four, six four. Final score: Phillies go to the World Series tonight. That would wait be their opponent, dude. I would absolutely, and that's going to be a double play. Ah, oh, no, they only got one. Um, I would absolutely kill for a walk off to go to the World Series and have like that moment. You know, like the Altuve moment, right? Yeah, just one of those moments that lives in history. I would love to have that for the Phillies. So, anyways, just a thought. But all right, what have you? Uh, uh, I don't think I mentioned Game Four, Five, Game five, five. The Phillies grown up win, got out early. Harper steals home on the back end of a double steal. Yeah, Schwarber, Harper, real muto, go deep. He's not dirty. Jack's just saying that to get under my skin. <laughs> and uh, Zach Wheeler is the most dominant pitcher in the postseason right now. Phillies win and position themselves for this game. One win away from the World Series in back-to-back years. And, I mean, what a dirty play at the plate from Bryce Harper. I mean, he's And, I mean, in. what an out-of-touch talk I mean, show host over I mean, there. looking to just absolutely light up Moreno. Was looking That's for the headshot. not a strike. Looking for the kill shot, and he got it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, look, in all seriousness, though, classy move by Harper to check on Moreno right after. Oh, right after. Okay. It was play immediate. was still going on. Touched home plate and was asking if he's okay. Great move from Harper. That's what you want to see. Your competitor's on the field, but at the end of the day, something like that happens. Play at the plate. Guy gets hit in the head. You always want to make sure he's okay. Great job by Harper there. Yeah. Just a good guy move. I agree. Also worth noting, after his home run in game one to lead lead off his series, Nick Castellanos has gone 0 for 15. So he's cooled down. Yeah. Ice cold, if you will. All right. Anyway, 
Um, let's go to the end. Yeah, Zach Wheeler. I mean, again, you couldn't say better. I mean, Stott Steele's second, by the way. One of, if not the best, postseason pitchers right now in baseball. This yep. guy is so clutch. Has been so huge for the Phillies in their runs over the past two seasons. Just been so locked in, man. And it pains me. Oh, all oh, the pain. He was a Met. And Brody Van Wagenen said after he left, and quote, the former Met GM said, glad he could turn two half seasons of success into that contract. Oh, man. And now it looks like one of the most underpaid players in the MLB right now. $115 million? Will the pain and suffering ever end? I don't think so. I that was a not. rhetorical question. I hope not. I wasn't asking you. What do you mean? I, wait. Oh, so you mean... Oh, you hope not. Okay, I dumb. hope it does not I'm end dumb. for you. Yeah, I'm dumb. Sorry. No, you're not, buddy. You're smart. I was about to say, oh, you're rooting for you me. You go to most and of then, your classes. And then I realized... And then I... <laughs> and then I realized... Uh, yeah, you you hope it continues. So. It's okay. We're pressing on here. Yeah, we are pressing on. Um, yeah, that's going to take us to our first break of round number two. Uh, when we come back, we will move on, talk about the NFL. And see how the Phillies screw up this inning. Recap the weekend uh, and then wrap up the show with some NHL discussion. So, so much more to talk about in the sports realm. We'll be back momentarily here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack High Mitchell Smedley, hour number two. So glad to be with you. Some new music. Again, we love trying the new music here in between the breaks here. Um, yeah. Phillies. End the inning. Not scoring. JT Romuto struck out. Not having a good time. Ruben and I are suffering through it together. Mitch right now. I am not having fun. I am not crazy. <laughs> I am not crazy. You think this is bad? The chicanery? This chicanery? You didn't see the World Series last year. He orchestrated it. The Phillies. <laughs> he orchestrated it. Thompson. <laughs> they got no hit in the World Series. <laughs> and I saved them. <laughs> and I shouldn't have. Brought them in my own home. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Should have stopped them when I had the chance. But now you, you have to stop them. Me to the Astros. <laughs> it was me to the Astros last year. It'll be me to the Astros or the Rangers again this year if you move on. Anyways, uh, this game's going long. We finished three innings in just under an hour and a half. Yeah, that's so, bad. This is bad. I this will be really rushing really home bad. to watch the conclusion of this. So, um, you got me, buddy. What? You got me with a ride, buddy? No. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'll give you a ride. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's we'll move on here. here. NFL. By the way, your calls as we head into NFL six one zero six eight three four zero five eight. We would love to talk to you. Boom. Yeah. I'm just, you know, there it is. NFL, got to start Thursday night football. That prime music is uh, terrible. That prime video music is growing on me. No. I still will never unhear that it sounds like a terrible superhero intro. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No. At least to me, it does. Could be could be very much alone in that. That's but. what CBS Sports sounds like. Do 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 do. I like the CBS one. I don't like that one. Anyways, what we had the oh Jaguars goodness. taking on the Saints. You're lost. Anyway, yeah. Travis Etienne found Pater twice. Yep, planning against him in fantasy this week. Bad week for me, for me in fantasy. Ooh, really? Yeah. Both leagues. Yeah. Mm. Well, you're still kicking butt in the KUR league. Yerp. Yerp. 7-0. 7-0. That's like the count when Aaron Nola's pitching against you. Remains 
undefeated. All right. Yeah, let's let's break down this Jack Saints game real quick. Tough break for the Saints in the end. Foster Moreau had a touchdown in his fingertips and could not catch it. Oof. That was the uh, final blow for New Orleans where they uh, turned it over on downs, couldn't cash in. Jags, 5-2. and two. They were 1-2, and 4 in a row for Doug Peterson. They've really put it back together. One of the best teams in the AFC. Um, right now. I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet. I think you got One a lot of, the of teams Chiefs above the Dolphins. them. Chiefs, Dolphins. Um, Who are you taking over? I'm going to take Buffalo right now. That would be a fun game. Jags, Ravens. Yeah, that'd be a cool game. I think Buffalo is probably still above them. They just lost to New England, dude. I'm aware. Like, they do not look good right now. Didn't the Jags At this lose moment in time. Colts? Texans. Texans, yeah. I knew it was That's not bad. a horrible loss. It's a pretty bad loss. The Texans are not that, that bad. Uh, but they're both divisional losses. Like, I put less stock in a divisional loss. Like, the Eagles last no, year I'm lost to I'm putting stock in that commanders. loss to New England because New England's terrible. I understand that. And they're a really, really bad football team. We got Make a no guy there. We got a guy there. Guriel's retired after homering last time. So, I don't know. I, I think the Bills are probably better than the Jags. That'd be a fun game, though. And what about the Bengals? Probably not. I take the Jags over the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, third or fourth in best in the AFC. Yeah, it's pretty good. So... I feel like I'm missing a big team in the AFC, but I can't. Oh, we got the Chiefs, Dolphins, Ravens, Jags, Bills, Bengals. Yeah. I mean, there's been times we thought so and so was a powerhouse. Um, Not thinking of anybody major. I mean, like the you know we talked about the Bengals. I mean, the Browns looked good before injuries. Uh, by the way, they look better after their quarterback got injured, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, like PJ <laughs> Walker comes in and the offense looks way better than thirty nine. When Deshaun Watson was the quarterback. Yeah. Weird. Weird how that works. Guess it just shows that the team just might not have his uh, support. As the uh, Minnesota Vikings announcer once said, funny how that works out. But What's it with this Jalen Rager? <laughs> Get him off the field. <laughs> Dude, every Eagles fan personified over the course of like four years. Jalen Rager caught a pass. I think it was for New England. What? Jalen Rager caught a pass this weekend for New England. That is impressive. See what happens when you bring See what in happens a, when you throw to Jalen Rager, you see, win football games. Exa- I was about to say that. See what happens when you bring in a great culture guy like Jalen Rager. You just start to win. I Oh, I was so mad when they drafted him. <laughs> yeah, I would have been too. Oh, Jay Jettis. Caught it. Nice play, Rojas. That hung up there much longer than I thought. So I couldn't even picture Jefferson Brown and Smith right now. Can you imagine? I don't think we would have traded for Brown. No, we probably wouldn't have even drafted Devontae Smith. The Eagles probably aren't where they are yeah. with Jefferson when you think about it. When you think? Because he he could have <laughs> made is. he could have made Wentz look good enough to play, right? Imagine if Carson Wentz is playing with Justin Jefferson. I know Carson Wentz is awful and out of the league right now, basically. But he can't play. He can't play. This man is a bona fide, bona fide with a capital bona fide scrub. <laughs> Uh, he could have played well enough in 2019 with Jalen Rager, or 2020, I mean, uh, to be relevant. We will never know the answer to that question. So. I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. But the Eagles don't have a Super Bowl to show for this core yet, so I'll just shut my mouth. Okay, let's keep moving on here. We already talked to Patriots. Nola's throwing pretty well right now, by the way. 29-25, the Pats upset the Bills on a last-second touchdown. Yep. It was the Penn State Nitty Lion, Mike Gesicki. With a one-yard touchdown catch from Mac Jones. How about it, man? Mac Jones leading a 
game-winning drive. Um, Who knew we had it in him? Not me. Struck him out a one, two, three, fourth. Nola's getting back to grooving. This could be huge. Not letting it snowball. Letting the offense have another crack at it. It's the bottom of the order. That's who produced the first run, though. We'll have Casty, Swamp Daddy, and uh, oh, Rowie. What, what, it's Casty, Marshy, and Rojas? Casty, Marshy, and Yoey. Hater, Marshy. <laughs> hey, Marshy, how you doing? <laughs> Anyways, is that your sister's name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very funny. I know. Um, anyway. Pats win two and five. They upset the Bills in Foxborough. Wow, wow, wow! Probably the upset of the week in the NFL. Oh yeah, who had that one? Not me. Yeah, not many. Browns beat the Colts thirty-nine thirty-eight. Last second touchdown from Kareem Hunt. Some penalties put him down there. What Some a game say, that turned into! I, mean, I know. Holy smokes! I was, uh, I was on a plane during that, so I couldn't watch it. I landed. I'm like thirty-nine thirty-eight. Hope you had the over on that one, folks. This is unbelievable. <laughs> How could you not make money? Was such a brilliant idea. Kareem Hunt gets the game-winning score, though, on uh, really one of the offensive duels of the year. That's I mean, I can't imagine having a, a bigger showing of points in the NFL right now. So, Well, the Browns didn't have a defensive touchdown this game. Important to note. I, you know, you'll get that every now and then. Yeah, still, I'm just saying. That's okay. I'm not trying to demean them and take yeah. it away from them. I'm just stating a fact. Browns have a really good defense. They do. Uh, it Miles won't show Garrett. by allowing 38 points, but... Miles Garrett was a menace in this game. Absolute menace. Two pass breakups, a couple of sacks. I mean, he is a monster. He is a monster. By the way, you know what's got to stop? Um, the commercials with that weird... Um, um, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, dude, it's all over every sport right now. Also, the home internet from T-Mobile commercial has to stop. <laughs> I've got home internet from T-Mobile. By the way, not affiliated, not affiliated with anything. We're just talking about advertising. No, I just don't like the the, the singing. I'm not a I'm not a joy filled person. From T-Mobile, you get a great deal every day. <laughs> oh, I hate man. it. I can't stand it. Oh, They're just funny. frolicking through the neighborhood. <laughs> not how suburban life works. <laughs> oh, what? Suburban people can't be happy, man. No. Wow. They don't frolic through their neighborhoods. Somebody has at some point in time. It's got to be true. Moving on. All right. Uh, yeah, 39-38 Browns win. They're 4-2. AFC North continues to be a very, very competitive division with the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns, and even the Bengals. All four of these teams right in the thick of it. The divisional play will really show how this division is going to take shape and fill out the rest of the way. Man, oh, man. Who we got Who we got calling in here, Mitch? I believe I've upset someone from Schnecksville. Oh, boy. Yes, it is. And I would never normally call twice in one show. Well, but here but we are. Mick had to go, Mitch had to go and provoke me. So the Browns' defense is, I'm not sure the word to use, but it's definitely not that. All right, they were that until this week when they were outgained in yards. I just said they that. They were... Outgained in runs, outgained in passing, and oh, by the runs. way, I would really love to hear you guys' commentary on the epidemic of atrocious officiating in this league because it was a phantom penalty call that even gave the Browns the opportunity to win that game. Now, just to show you that I'm fair, because I am, there was an absolute phantom call in the Steelers game against the L.A. Rams because there was absolutely no pass interference against Deontay Johnson. Nor was that a first down, if I'm going to be fair, because there's no way Kenny Pickett got there. But I digress. The point was, 
the Browns, the Bills. I could probably add a few the Dolphins after last night's game. They're all kind of fraudulent. Here's what I want you guys to address. Who have the Dolphins beat? For that matter, who have the Chiefs beat? The Chiefs have played one really good team. You know who that was? The Detroit Lions, and they lost to them. So the, the, the whole it's great, I don't know about that. To me, the only team that has a legitimate loss that I can think of at the top of my head right now, probably the Eagles. What and about San Francisco? They lost to so, your fraudulent Browns. Yes, they lost to the Browns. I get it. That's a real the loss, Browns right? The defense was really good that day. The Browns defense was not very good yesterday. Yeah, but that doesn't make them not great as a whole. Listen, Every team has their bad days. And I think God, God admits you, of all people, exposed the Browns defense yesterday. Really want to hear you guys' thoughts on the uh, bad officiating. Let me know. Will do. All right, thank well, you for calling, sir. We appreciate it. As always, Jack, you first. Look, the officiating, that Amari Cooper penalty before the uh, one in the back of the end zone was a penalty. Uh, turned his hips. You can't do that. That was a penalty. Passing interference warranted. The one out of the back of the end zone, atrocious. Not catchable. Nowhere even close. I mean, that was bad. That that was as bad as it gets. Put him at the one-yard line. I don't think that's what won the Browns the game, though. Yes, it put them in the position to score the touchdown to win, but for the Colts' defense, you're facing a backup quarterback. How about we get some stops here? Um, I think officiating is bad. I agree with that objectively. But in this case study, in this scenario, you know, you could have stopped them all the way down the field. You didn't. You let them get inside the red zone. Again, it goes back to my point earlier. You do not put the games in the hands of the referees. That is how you that is how you set yourself up for heartbreak. That's how you set yourself up for failure. And with the officiating not being all that great uh, in this day and age specifically, I think it's a bad recipe for you to put the game in the hands of the officials. Play better earlier. Don't let them drive down the field. It goes back to your point about the defense not playing great that day. Or the, for the Colts, the defense hasn't been really that great all year. But get a stop. Get off the field. Prior to that, don't let it get in the hands of the referees. Despite it not being a penalty, the one in the back of the end zone, the first one against Amari uh, Cooper was. Penalty clears day. Uh, but the second passing interference was not. Uh, set him up at the one-yard line. They got the win. Um, but yeah, it's just my opinion. Don't put the games in the hands of the refs, right? You're, you're talking to someone here who lost a Super Bowl based on a call that was not consistent. Johan Rojas to left center field. It's deep. It is caught. down. No, he caught it. Oh, man. No, he caught it. <laughs> That's a bummer. He laced it to the gap. Uh, Alec Thomas, the bane of my existence, catches it, saves. I mean, Johan could have been off to the races on that. But. All right. We, uh, we do got to get moving here, yeah, so, so just give your quick thoughts on the officials, and we'll start uh, Coming from a guy that lost based uh, on inconsistent officiating, I've been complaining about it for years. There needs to be more serious repercussions for officials being bad. I've said this in the MLB specifically. You can't I allow think it's these, every sport. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You can't allow these umpires, these referees, to get away with being bad. They need to held, be held to just as high a standard as anyone else with a job. If I'm not doing my job well, I'm going to be fired, John. If you're not doing your job well, you should be fired too. You know, fired is such a strong word, but you know, there should be repercussions, demotions, uh, you know, trainings. It needs to be better. Um, systems for these referees and these umpires. I'm tired of complaining about it. Everyone complains about them at some point or another, 
it's atrocious. But I, I, I get what you're thing. saying about put, not putting it in their hands. But we're we're relying that if something does happen, it should be called. That's part of a game that sure. there are there are going to be penalties. Uh, people are going to be trying to gain unfair advantages. You, you can't just we. I say we athletes are trained to play by a set of rules, and if those rules are changing throughout the course of a game, a season, it's not fair to them. No, it is not. Anyways. No, it is not. It is not fair to them. Uh, I think the worst part is the roughing the passer calls. I mean, those are becoming a mere joke. I mean, the one against Jalen Hurts last night, really? Yeah, it was not a Just to think of one. Like, really, dude? He gave him a light shove? Falls down roughing the passer? Really, dude? Like, we're getting to the point. Put a penny on him. Put a penny on him. If you get a hand on him, blow it dead. I mean, that's where we're going. I know. That is where we're going in this day and age of football. You cannot play football anymore in the NFL defensively. You cannot hit people. I like bigger hits. I I like that brand of football. I I think we should bring it back. I understand. Hitting in the head, there's player safety. Definitely penalties. I get it. Yeah. Hitting in the head, clearly a penalty. But the roughing the passer nonsense has got to stop. Has got to stop. It's an embarrassment. It is a joke, and it is a stain on the sport. Period. End of story. It is just not. It is honestly becoming a joke week after week after week. It is only getting worse. The elite quarterbacks get the treatment. They get the lightest rough in the passer calls. It is nonsensical. It is a joke. I agree. The officiating as a whole has gotten worse and worse and worse. And as the years goes on, the sports feel, sports feel like they should be getting more and more advanced, but instead the officiating is only getting worse and worse and worse. It is going and nothing's backwards. changing under this commissioner that just got re-signed. No. So until 2027, I think it is now, we're not seeing any change with this. No. Because that man does not care. He do not care. It's all about the money. Yep. That's all he cares about. Exactly. Lining his pockets and not really caring about the product in the field. That That's my stance. That's where I stand. So... John, you want to talk about the officials? That's what we're talking about. That's what that's our thoughts on the state of the NFL officiating situation. It's terrible. It's an embarrassment. It's my stance. It's, that's where I hold my position yeah. on the side of the line. I get you. All righty. Right, right before the break, real quick, Ravens beat the brakes off the Lions. Wow, 30 uh, that was so surprising. Surprise game of the week. Uh, the Pats were a was bunch the of upset those. of the week. Yeah. The Ravens was the surprise game of the week. That game was not even close. The Lions had no chance from the get-go. Lamar Jackson he went off, balled out, 357 yards, three touchdowns through the air, rushing touchdown as well. I mean, everybody put on the clinic. Mark Andrews, a couple Andrews of touchdowns. Score, yeah. The defense came to play. This looked like what the Ravens hoped they could be uh, at their best. This, this looks like the Ravens at their best, what we saw this week. Could they be rounding into form? Could they? We'll see. I don't know. Rojas runs it down. Nice. Um, at this point, we're only going to go with other notable games. Not going to go through every single game. Bears beat the Falcons. Uh, Bears beat the Raiders. Excuse me. Falcons yep. beat the Bucks. Um, Seahawks beat the Cardinals in a weird NFC West battle. Broncos outlast the Packers. Chiefs take down the Chargers, thirty-one seventeen. Turned Brandon out to be a Staley good game. Did for most of it. Brandon Staley and the Chargers continue to be underwhelming, underperforming. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Staley's going to get fired because of it. I thought he should have been fired last year after the utter collapse in the wild card game against the Jaguars. I agree. He can't lose by after I mean, winning you by were 27. Up 27 to nothing no. and lost. Not right, man. And lost. Like, like, how do you keep your job after that? I don't understand it. it it's boggled my mind like, since like, then. I, I don't understand. You're wasting such a good group of players. It is so frustrating. I'm not even a Chargers fan. Just objectively, as a sports person, looking at a team that has that much talent on it and them going nowhere is just 
it's absurdity. I mean, how many times do we look up and down the roster and say, oh, yeah, they should compete this year? They're, They're so be very talented. Good. So much talent. And up and so down the roster. wasted. All wasted. They have a great running back at Eckler. That receiver room's good. Mike Williams being hurt. It's still a decent receiver still, room. Still a really good room. Quarterback. Good quarterback. Herbert's a good QB. Good I mean, uh, it defenders. It is mind-boggling how much the Chargers are wasting away the good years of these players. I agree. It boggles my mind. Any other uh, late-window games you want to talk about? Charger fans, I feel so bad for you. Steelers get the win out at SoFi Stadium yeah, against crazy the Rams. Game, yep. Crazy ending. Steelers get a passing interference phantom call. John already mentioned, uh, talked about it. Witherspoon flagged against Deontay Johnson. Quarterback sneak, 4th and 1. Steelers clearly didn't get it. They spotted he did. Uh, was Kenny Pickett. Gave the Steelers the ability to just kneel it down and end the game. Not the sole reason the Steelers won, but the Rams didn't get the football back because of it, so we'll never know what could have happened. I'm not saying the Rams would have won, but they would have had a chance to rebuttal and tie the game late. That's my thing. You never know if they're going to win. Eagles in the Super Bowl last year. Not saying they would have won. I'm mad they didn't get a chance. So, But we take it. This is Steelers 4-2. How about oh, it? Oh, good for you. 4-2. and two. With that offense? Oh, man. Unreal. Imagine we had a good That's offense. unreal. Imagine we had a good offense. Alrighty, final game, uh, Eagles and Dolphins, 31-17. Oh, yeah. Eagles really physically controlled this game up front. Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, both really, really good games. Jalen Hurts, okay game. Uh, again, I didn't watch the whole thing. Watched the no. most of the first quarter and most of the Jaylen fourth quarter. Jalen Hurts was not good. Underthrowing, overthrowing receivers. Multiple times had to come back and make catches. Drives were continued by penalties. The brotherly shove uh, threw an awful pick six. I don't know why he threw it. Um, Jalen Hurts was off again. It's a miracle this team succeeds with him at the helm. Um, the defense, shout out to the defense, even despite a couple injuries. Um, I mean, they allowed only 10 points because seven came on a pick six by Jalen Hurts. Uh, 10 points to a team that put up 70 just a few weeks ago. The NFL's best offense, uh, was shut down. One Tyreek Hill touchdown and one Jason Sanders field goal. Please tell me that's foul. Thank goodness. Uh, I mean, what a showing by the Eagles' defense. They've shown they're for real. Offense is putting it to the, together little by little. They took a step back with the Jets game before entering this gauntlet, uh, and that's a great first step, showing off the Kelly Greens in prime time with a win. Uh, they were up 17-3, let the Dolphins get back into it, and then stomped on the throat after that. It was tied, and then they went up by 14-31-17. Your final, I think, probably the most complete game from the Eagles so far this year. Yeah, Eagles look really good. I didn't think the Dolphins looked particularly bad either. No. I didn't think they played a bad game. Again, Eagles controlled it. It's just about getting more physical up front for Miami. That's a problem for them. Big to see that Lane Johnson was in the game. That's what allowed the Eagles to do that, having their big right tackle back yeah. uh, after being out during the Jets game. And this Dolphins even is going to get reinforcements. They're going to get Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey back in the coming weeks. That's certainly going to help them, allow them to be able to send their safeties up to help, with that, help out with the run and send the blitz as well because they can trust those guys in man coverage. I think this defense is going to take a bit of a step forward when those guys do come back into the fold. Miami, a very, very good football team. I wouldn't say an elite football team, though. Yeah, I don't know about elite. Their defense holds them back in that yeah. department. I think they're one of the AFC's best teams. I'd say probably second right now. Not a great pass rush. The they need to generate more pressure. So, Yeah, and again, I think that can help when you get your better corners back into the fold. Exactly. You're, you're allowed to not have to sit so many guys in coverage. You're allowed to get more guys up on the football. Alrighty, one more point before the break. Tyson Badgen. Oh, man. Saw plenty of him here at Kutztown in his Shepherd days. Congratulations to him, though. His first NFL win as a starter. Uh, what a long road for him. The Martinsburg High School kid under, 
you know, was not really touted and scouted at all and recruited that much out of high school, went to Shepard, carved and killed it there, um, as we saw firsthand here at Kutztown. Unfortunately, beat us a couple times, heartbreaking fashion. But the best for him, gets an NFL win as a starter for the Bears over the Raiders. Congratulations to him on his journey to the National Football League as a Division II kid. All right. We're going to step aside one final time. When we come back, we will round out our NFL discussion previewing Monday Night Football with the Niners and the Vikings. Then we will talk all things NHL for the rest of the show. Thank you so much for listening so far. But we're not done yet here on Heavy Hitters and the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome back in to Heavy Hitters, hour number two. It's our final segment of the day. Four to one Diamondbacks, Cattell Marte, RBI triple. Thank you for that, Cattell. Uh, one out, runner on third. Phillies going to the bullpen. Rob Thompson takes the ball for Marinola in favor of Michael Lorenzen, everybody. He's here. The man who I watched throw a no-hitter live at Citizens Bank Park um, and has been really awful ever since. Why not bring him into a playoff game? Looks like the Phillies are waving the white flag on game six in favor of saving the bullpen for game seven. So, Jack wanted action. Jack got two game sevens. I don't like him. I would have much rather an easy, breezy season. Oh, come on. You're telling me you didn't want this to go to game seven. It's not even over yet. Oh, it's over. Oh, it's over. Look, Michael Lorenzen is not a strikeout pitcher. He's a pitch-to-contact guy. There's a runner on third with one out. This game is effectively 5-1. to We'll be lucky if that's all it is. I have low battery. That's Fantastic. Uh, we'll be lucky if it's 5-1 to one after this inning. And the offense is not doing anything right now. They have chances. They can't push them across. Swing and a miss. How? How? How do you miss a ball thrown by Michael Lorenzen? Whatever. Isn't it crazy he has a no-hitter? Yeah. That's an odd stat. That's gonna People are going to look back on that and be like, what happened? I was there. I was there. Strike two. What are we doing? All right. Anyway. Um, wrap it up, NFL. Monday night preview, 49ers, Vikings. Oh, I don't yeah. think there's a whole lot here. Um, I think that uh, the, the 49ers are going to... It's a matter of how healthy are the Niners after this game. CMC's playing. Trent Williams is not, but I think they'll patch it just fine. I don't think the Vikings defense is anything too daunting. They're not going to have to worry. Seven-point favorites, I think they're going to win it. I think it should be more than seven. Um, I think the 49ers will win it 31-17. to 17. Yeah, it's... You know, it sounds like such a great score. It's almost like that happened. Uh, I got 27 to 13. Okay. I'll take it down a notch. I'll take each team down by low, 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 low. So, I don't know. The the Niners just have to stay healthy. They're a very good team right now. Uh, Coming off the loss to the Browns, looking for a bounce back. All right. We have a message from the KR Notebook, though. From the KR Notebook. Want to join a fun campus club? No. Join KUR. I want the Phillies to win. Fun events, great friends, and an opportunity to play your favorite tunes await. Email KUR at Kutztown.edu. That's KUR at Kutztown.edu for more information. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All righty. Wow. We here. Final nine minutes of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in along with us. You're welcome. We're going to round it up. NHL talk. Still got a little bit of time for your phone calls. We do. 610-683-1450. 610-683-1450. 
Four zero five eight. I'm sorry, I cut you off there, buddy. You're good. You're good. You say it now. You go for it. Six one zero six eight three four zero five eight. Two and two count on uh, Christian Walker here. Chance to get out of the inning down only three. Good weekend of hockey. Saturday night was fun. Unfortunately for the Oilers, things only get to be more tumultuous. Overtime loss against the Jets and Connor McDavid's out one to two weeks. Wow, uh, loss for them. Hurricanes and the Avalanche, a battle of the separate conference powerhouses, Colorado in the West, Carolina in the East. Colorado improves to 5-0. and They just looked like they got that fire this year, a 6-4 win for them. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and both those guys, truly, truly incredible. Man, oh, man, can the Avalanche, I don't know, that's early. It's only five games, but they are really good. If they stay healthy, man, look out. Them in Vegas in the playoffs would be so fun. So, so fun this year. I'd love to see that. Bruins, they're saying we're not having Why? any of the fall Why? off. We're not having any of the fall off. They are 5-0. and Everyone said, oh, oh, they're going to they're gonna fall off. They might miss the playoffs because Bergeron and Krejci retire. They're gone. Yeah, they're 5-0. and they, they, they said, we do not care. Um, they are still sticking around. Still a very, very good hockey team. Great culture there in Boston. What their head coach Montgomery's doing with this team, very solid. What a regular season they had last year. Doesn't look like they're going anywhere. I think they're going to get one of the top three spots in the Atlantic. Back to the postseason, the Bruins go. Just I early indications. This team is just that good, for the record. Plain and simple. So It's a good take by you. Thank you. A lot of the top teams the same. Yeah, absolutely. Kraken, though, man. One of the better teams in the West a year ago. Off to a very tough start. 1-4-1 on the year. Do their first six games. They're trying to get things figured out. They gotta get that one figured out. <laughs> Joe Buck. It doesn't seem like they have the same uh mojo in the fire they had a year ago. Philip Grubauer not off to the hottest start in net. That looked like a strike for Seattle. All right. Keep moving on. Keep going through it. Red Wings, how about that? Stevie Y going back to the team he won plenty of cups with. They beat the Flames yesterday, six to two. They're five and one on the year. To start the year, Detroit just looks like a different team, and the Alex DeBrinket trade looks like it is going to be working wonders for them, and not just this year, but going forward as well. Already eight goals on the year for DeBrinket, a four-point night yesterday, a hat trick for Alex DeBrinket, eight goals in his first six games with the Wings, looking like Stevie Y pulled off yet another masterclass trade acquisition for a supreme talent, bringing it back to his home state of Michigan. I believe Farmington Hills is the town he grew up in. Could be wrong about that, but... Is a Michigan native playing for his hometown team, and he's killing it early on in his Red Wings career. So yes, he is. <laughs> I mean, you read the numbers. He's a great young player up there. It's yes. about time they had something to he cheer about. Is swing and a miss. Lorenzen gets out of the second and third jam. And We're moving on. And Mitchie has something to cheer about here. It's on about time. The show today. We're through four and a half in Philly. Halfway home. Phil's looking for the offense to show up. That would be nice. Connor Bedard scored his second NHL goal over the weekend on Saturday night. Beautiful toe drag shot showing off something that he is so, so good at. Like a Matthews type release with that shot there. Uh, for his second National Hockey League goal, Vegas put a rain, you know, dampered that moment though. Uh, as they won five to three. They are still undefeated, six and zero on the year. Are the Golden Knights? They're back in action tomorrow night, hosting the Philadelphia Flyers, who after a good start in their own right, three one and one through their first five. 
Surprisingly, though, Philly. Shocking people early again. Long season to go. Not saying they're going to make the playoffs. But off to a good start are the Flyers. Other news across the NHL. Uh, Dallas continues to be one of the better teams in the West. They're 3-0-1. 5-4 OT win against the aforementioned Flyers on Saturday night in a night where I believe every NHL team was in action. Gonna fact check that one real quick, but I believe I'm right about that. You see what they're doing with the Frozen Frenzy, Mitch? Uh, dude, we talked about that last week. So that's actually debuting tomorrow. Yeah, I'm so excited. I want to watch that. So it's an NHL. If, if for those who might be unaware, it's an NHL and ESPN's edition of Red Zone, where they're going to be, you know, going across the league, checking in on games um, all throughout the night, which is why you're seeing start times being differentiated. Tonight, there's only one game, by the way, Canadian Sabres. That's on NHL Network. Sabres shut down the Islanders on Saturday, 3-1 win. Eric Comrie gets a win in his first start of the year. They're literally showing a commercial for the Frozen Frenzy on my screen right now. Wow, that's weird. That's odd. Um, Eric Comrie, great goalie performance for Buffalo in their win over the Islanders, unfortunately. Noah Dobson with a late goal to break the shutout in that one. Buffalo really just controlled this game uh, from start to finish. Islanders offensively couldn't really build anything at all. Good night for Buffalo, team who, you know, was... One and three, they got a big one to go to two and three, because uh, you don't want to fall too far behind the eight ball, even though it's early. Um, two and three, though, they are right back at it tonight, uh, hosting the Montreal Canadiens uh, for an Atlantic Division showdown. That one is starting in a couple moments, a couple minutes, I should say. Um, that one is on NHL Network for the lone game of the night. Tuesday, a packed slate, and you're seeing those start times being affected. Islanders and Avalanche, usually Islanders start at 7.30 when they're home, backed up a half an hour. That's an 8 p.m. start time at UBS Arena as they host the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, boy. That could get ugly. Uh-oh. Could be an Avalanche on the Islanders. So, yeah, like, here are these start times, man. You usually see, like, even numbers. 6, 6.30, 6.45, 7, 7.15. We call that staggered. Yeah, exactly. Staggered start times. Uh, so that way they can go all throughout the league. Most Check important, around. though, is 8.07, Game 7. Yeah, if it gets there. It's not so. a strike. What are you looking at? I, 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 I don't like this umpire. I don't know who he is. He needs to have his car towed. Uh, Bruins last night, Poitras, a couple goals in the win for the Bees. Um, yeah, man, great. I love the NHL's back, man. I do. Oh, it's fun. It is. Hockey's great. It's fun. You love the, the sound of the skates on the ice, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they make it look so effortless. Yeah, and it's not. It's one of the most oh, it's difficult such a difficult ever. sport to play. To be able to skate that fast and take those hits. Yeah, exactly. And it look is, for that puck. It is truly, truly an underappreciated sport in terms of skill. I think to play. I agree. So. No one talks about that. No, except hockey fans. Exactly. People who know know. No, those not in the no don't. So no, not a strike. All right. Well, I. We have run out of time here. Yeah, so yeah. I would like to talk a little bit more hockey, but we'll do it on Wednesday. We'll do it on the Wednesday show. Uh, very special day on Wednesday, the 1866 Giving Challenge. We'll talk more about that on Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, to this point, uh, whether it's just for a little bit or the whole show. Any appreciate it all the Any same. listenership, very much appreciated, and those calls as well. Uh, we'll be back here on Wednesday night for heavy hitters. That'll do it. Mitchell Smith, the Jack Heim. Until then, take care and enjoy some playoff baseball.